Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. More the trumpets. Walls are going to fall down. Look at the battle plan here. Completely different. God says to them, No, plan an ambush. Plan some special maneuvering. Sometimes Christians make the tragic mistake and think that every battle that they face is the same. Well, brother so-and-so, he fought his battles this way. This is how. you got to get before God. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet Do you notice in your own life how God doesn't always do things the same way in every situation? As Pastor Ed continues his teaching series through the book of Joshua, he'll be explaining how God had Joshua and his army blow trumpets to take over one city and used a completely different strategy for the next battle. We can't put God in a box expecting Him to move the same way He did in the past. We always have to be in prayer, asking for wisdom and direction for each situation. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, From the Agony of Defeat to the Joy of Victory. When we get about the Father's business, we will find ourselves fighting His battle. Because we've been praying, Thy kingdom come. And God is giving us his agenda for the kingdom, and he's sending us out to fight. In Joshua's encounter, when he went out to survey the walls of Jericho in Joshua chapter 5, do you remember the theophany, the encounter with God that he had? He saw this man with a drawn sword, ready for battle. And in Joshua chapter 5, it reads, Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? God's reply, Neither. Neither. See, Joshua, it's not a question of whose side I'm on. It's a question of whose side you're on. The battle is the Lord's. Don't create your own battles. You've been enlisted into his army. Let him direct you into the warfare that you need to fight. Joshua, first of all, I notice in chapter 8 and in the uh, context of chapter 7 that God would not let them win the battle at I. In chapter 7, they lost. And I believe there's a principle there. God's battle must be fought with a pure heart. Remember, Achan went and saw that beautiful Babylonian garment and some silver coins and a gold wedge, and he took it for himself. God said everything was to be devoted to me. God said, Jericho is the first fruits of the land. It's mine. It's not yours. You're to destroy everything, and the wealth is to go into the temple. Achan took what belonged to God. He took what was dedicated to God. 
and because his heart wasn't pure. See, God wanted all of Israel to know that this war was a holy war. It wasn't like barbarians running into the land and plundering it and taking all that they could for themselves. No, it was a war directed by God, a holy battle. And God wanted praise out of this conflict. He wanted his name glorified through the capture of Jericho. I want to ask you a question. Why do we do what we do? Now, we may start off with the right motives, but sometimes our garments become soiled and our hearts stained with selfish sin as we get into the battles. Why do you do what you do? Why do you serve in the church? Why do you come and worship in this place? Why do you teach Sunday school or help out in the ministry? Or why are you involved in, in, in sharing the gospel with others? What's the motivation? Why are you a parent? Why do you work at the job that you work? You know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for what? The glory of God. Everything we do should be for one purpose, to glorify God. Whether you're in school, studying. Whether you're at work, working. Whether you're a parent and you're parenting your children. Our life is not to be lived for some selfish ambition, but rather for the very purpose of bringing glory to God. If what you do is for yourself, it's wrong. So little of the time, sometimes we look within. Easily we slip into those base motives of doing what we do. We ought to have times of introspection where we allow the Holy Spirit of God to search our hearts and check our motives. We might go to God and say, God, are my actions right? Are my attitudes right? Are my motivations right? Because in the pursuit of victory, in the pursuit of the battle, our character is being made. What's happening to the Jews as they fight this battle is God is purging them, God is forming them, God is shaping them, God is molding them. And as we go through life, the battles, the conflicts, all of the things that happen to us are for a purpose. That the image of God would be seen in us. That Christ would be seen in and through you. And so when we're doing things for God's glory and we're living for God's glory, we're going to be conformed to his image. And so they, had a, they fought with a pure heart. I noticed something else. Clean hands. In Psalm 24.3, the psalmist David asked this question, Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in this holy place? He that had clean hands and a pure heart. Now remember, these people were seeking their destiny. God gave them promises. God encouraged them 
opened up the Jordan River, sent him to Jericho. He told them, here's where you're to go. This is what you're to do. They were following their destiny. They were following the promises. They were following God's counsel. But what happened? The promise didn't work. There's an incredible principle here. The promises don't work in unclean hands. There was sin in the camp. God even had said to Joshua, Joshua, I'll be with you. Joshua, I'll be with you. And again and again, he gave them this promise. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you, Joshua. But then all of a sudden, God says to Joshua, I'll no longer be with you. An unclean life, a rebellious heart, sinful hands can't take the promises of God and utilize them. And so we must recognize that the battle is the Lord's and it must be fought with a pure heart. It must be fought with clean hands. I like the words of Joseph Parker, a great preacher back in the 20th century, 19th century. He said, God's purpose is to prove that right is might. That without character, we cannot do his work. Not spotless character. It may be impossible under the present conditions, but character that is intensely earnest, set in the right direction, aspiring after continual perfectness. That's a quote right out of Joseph Parker. What he was saying is this, that God is concerned about not only accomplishing a task, but the people that accomplished that task. He was head and shoulders above all the Israelites. He was a warrior. His name was Saul. Skilled warrior. The challenge came out from Goliath. Is there anyone in Israel ready to fight me? The natural candidate was Saul. But because Saul's heart had harbored rebellion and his hands had not willingly obeyed God, Saul could never fight Goliath. What a boy, just a young man, David, whose heart was pure, whose hands were clean, could challenge the giant and fell Goliath. That was true in David and Saul's life. It's true in all of Israel's history. If you look at the history of Israel, whenever they were in fellowship and communion with God, they could fight their enemies. They could watch the giant walls of Jericho fall. But when out of communion with God, even a small community like I would send them scurrying away. There's only one way for you to face the battles that you encounter in life spiritual battles and conflicts. It's with a pure heart and with clean hands. It's fighting under orders of the king. Second point, the battle plan must come from God. Again and again in the life of David, the great spiritual warrior, David said this, he inquired of the Lord in uh, chapter 23 of 1 Samuel, he inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I, shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, go and attack the Philistines and save Kalilah. 
Again and again, you find David inquiring of the Lord. In 1 Peter, Peter tells us this, Therefore prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. We are in a battle. Can you imagine our soldiers now in Iraq just sitting back and relaxing? No, they're constantly alert. They're watching for a surprise attack, a civilian that may really be a soldier. They're constantly alert. He told us, Peter told us, to live our lives recognizing that there's a real spiritual warfare going on. Satan doesn't want to see you succeed. Satan doesn't want you to have a good marriage. Satan doesn't want you to fulfill God's purposes in your life. We need to be wise and recognize there's a spiritual battle going on. And we need to know God's plans. Now, it's interesting. Make a comparison between Jericho and I. At Jericho, God said, march around the walls for seven days. And the last day, march around it seven times. Blow the trumpets. The walls are going to fall down. Look at the battle plan here. Completely different. God says to them, no. Plan an ambush. Plan some special maneuvering. Sometimes Christians make the tragic mistake and think that every battle that they face is the same. Well, brother so-and-so, he fought his battles this way. This is how. you got to get before God. you got to seek his wisdom and his direction. Sometimes what we wind up doing is we just expect things are always going to be the same. We're going to fight every battle the same. Listen, someone's unsaved husband, unsaved wife may have been saved through their persistent prayer, saved at a concert, or saved in some different way. Maybe your spouse isn't saved. Your husband or wife isn't saved. Or your child isn't saved. You need to hear God's specific plan to you how to reach them. Maybe you're facing some battle in your life, some spiritual conflict, some problem you're facing, some anxiety that's plaguing your life. Whatever that situation must be, come and lay it before God and say, God, give me a strategy. I remember Iris, she spoke to our Samuel prayer ministry. She's a real prayer warrior. She listens to God's voice. Iris shared how her daughter was rebellious. She is a minister. Her daughter was raised up in a Christian home, and the daughter just turned away from God, didn't want to follow God at all. And what happened was, Iris wanted to preach to her all the time, and God said, just be quiet. For weeks, for months, for years, she didn't say a word. It was hard for her. She was a preacher. Hard for preachers not to say anything. (laughs) One day, God said, now's the time, Iris. She called her daughter, as I remember the story, and her daughter was ready. She had gone through a crisis. It was just the right time. And her daughter broke and returned to the Lord. There's a specific battle plan that God has for the circumstances that you are facing. And you have to get before him and get instructions from him. Know his plan. You know, it it applies to the church. We may not be able to do the same 
type of strategy that we did five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 or 20 years ago to reach the lost. We can't say, well, this worked then and it did work, I'm sure. But we have to get before God and say, God, what's your plan for us now? What do you want us to do now as a congregation? To be able to hear him speak and listen to his voice. Here's some just suggestions. Here's some general things. Joshua had the promise of God that stated his purpose. He knew it was his purpose to take that land. He said, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised to Moses. Joshua had the promise of God's presence. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Joshua had the promise of God's faithfulness. You will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to your forefathers. He had God's promise, and he meditated on that, and he prayed that through. It's my earnest prayer that you'll have a passage of Scripture that God will burn into your heart and you'll, out of that Scripture, that He burns into your heart for your life, for your family. You'll formulate prayers. God, you promised me this. God, your word says this. God, I'm going to stand on this. Joshua did that. Then there are also (laughs) very specific things. God may direct you to read a certain Christian book on how to improve your marriage. Or how to be a better parent. God may tell you to meet with certain Christians that will have an impact on your life, that will help you live. He may speak to your heart and say, listen, out of the Christian disciplines, you need to practice this particular discipline. Maybe it's meditation or study. Maybe it's solitude. Maybe it's, you know, some other discipline of journaling so that you get the mind of God. But Christians, God wants to speak. He's not up there and silent. He's down here with us with a drawn sword ready to lead you into the battles of life, ready to give you instructions on how to win. Second thing, God expects us to implement his plans. I want to read Philippians 2.12. Listen to what Paul states. And this is a New Living Translation. Dearest friends, You were always so careful to follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, you must be even more careful to put into action God's saving work in your lives. Notice that. Careful to put in action God's saving work in your lives. One commentator looking at Joshua's battles said this, the intertwine of miracle and human effort is hard to unravel in the book of Joshua. And I think it wasn't meant to be unraveled. See, God expects you to do all that you can. He said, you set an ambush, Joshua. You place the troops over here, Joshua. You do this. But I'll still give you the battle. I'll still give you the victory. We must recognize that God expects us to participate and not to sit back and just expect him to do everything. He expects us to follow his plans, his direction, his counsel, his strategy, and to implement them. James says it this way, don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. It's not how much we hear, it's how much we live and do and practice. I like the words of Chuck Swindoll who said this, The difference between something good and something great 
is attention to detail. How much attention are we giving to the details that God has given us? Last point, very quickly, and I'll just make mention of it. Third point, the battle must lead us to God. What did Joshua do different this time? This time, after the battle, they didn't just go and celebrate. They built an altar, they sought the Lord, and they, at this altar, they offered up sacrifices for sins of omission and sins of commission. Because sometimes in the midst of the battles of life, we may do things our way rather than his way. We sometimes pick up attitudes and actions and motives that aren't right. And so God said, after this battle, get on your knees. God, when he gives you a victory, just don't walk away from it and say, okay, that's great, God. That's what they did the first time. They won at Jericho. They walked away from it and said, we're on a roll. Let's go to I. We'll conquer them. No big deal. Look what we did at Jericho. And there they fell flat on their face. God wants his people to be continually dependent upon him. God wants his church to continually be in communion with him. And so they prayed. They built an altar, a prayer. Second thing they did is they went to the scriptures. And you know what they did? They heard the scriptures. In the word of God, they heard the blessings and the cursings. All we want to hear is the blessings. Pastor, don't talk about discipline. Don't correct us in church. Uh, Don't say anything. No, 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 no. The battle drives us back into the word of God. There's something sinful about our hearts. There's something sinful about us as human beings that we constantly need the word of God to direct, to correct, to reprove, to help us so that we might grow in all righteousness. And so they heard the rebuke. They heard the cursing, uh, the judgments of God as well as the blessings. So this way, after the battle, they were refined. Learn from your victories humility god doesn't always and only mean for you to learn humility out of your defeats he wants you also when he places you there and you have a tremendous victory things are coming together in your life things are happening in your life don't all of a sudden square up your shoulders and say "Mm -hmm, i knew it'd surely come to me No. Let even your victories humble you so that you become dependent upon God. That's what happened there. At the end of the chapter, he said, we're going to do it differently this time, fellas. We're going to hear God's word, all of what Moses said. As I bring this message to a close, I don't know where you're standing. If you're standing outside the walls of Jericho and you've seen some glorious victory, I praise God with you. Or maybe you're standing outside I and you're experiencing a terrible defeat. God doesn't want you to live in the place of defeat. He wants to open up a door of hope for you there. God's intention is that defeat would never be final. One quote in closing. It's how you deal with failure that determines how you achieve success. It's how you deal with failure that determines how you achieve 
success. Joshua is one of the most mighty warriors in all of the Bible. From the spies who were hidden by Rahab to the story of the walls of Jericho, throughout this book of Joshua, Pastor Ed will continue to point us to the Lord, sharing with us wonderful insights each time he teaches. Though Joshua isn't a book many study, it is rich with content that we apply to our daily lives as we walk with Jesus. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com to spend some time getting to know us and to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith. At the website, you'll find today's message for you to listen to again, download, or even post to your Facebook page to share with your family and friends. Again, that's all available when you log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching verse by verse through the Old Testament book of Joshua. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores.